friends. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Main Idea Podcast, where today I have the pleasure of sitting down with Cameron Shane. A quick reminder for those of you that love this podcast, please take 30 seconds and leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify and subscribe to the YouTube channel. This helps the show get discovered organically and helps me continue to bring on amazing guests. The other way that you can support the show is by sharing an episode with someone who loves jujitsu. Let them become part of the community and learn from some of the greatest minds that the gentle art has to offer. Cameron Shane is the pioneer of mixed movement arts, founder and director of Budokan, which combines the combat arts of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and mixed martial arts together with yoga, crawling patterns, mobility, calisthenics, and cognitive studies into a single black belt system. He has personally helped some of MMA's most prominent practitioners as they prepared for the most pinnacle moments in their respective careers. I hope that you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Without further ado, Cameron Shane. Well, Cameron, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to be here. This is a conversation that I have looked especially forward to because I've been able to talk about movement and performance from a lot of different angles, from the strength and conditioning side, the physical therapy side, the high-level jiu-jitsu practitioner side, but to be able to sit down with someone who truly understands movement from a multifaceted view like yourself, I think that this is going to be a conversation that resonates heavily with the listeners. So thank you for being here. Uh, thank you very much, brother. I sure do appreciate you um, being interested in the work that I'm doing and uh and, you know, giving me an opportunity to share it. Appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to start with uh, more than anything, longevity, which seems to be something that people struggle with in jujitsu because they get so excited in the beginning, bangs the hell out of their body because it goes super hard. And you see so many people uh, when you've been doing this for as long as you have, or even in the short five-year span that I have, how many people stop right after they start for myriad different reasons. But when you look to some of the people that you've been surrounded by in your life, from Hicks and Gracie to Gilbert Burns to L Lovato, what do you see in these people that has kept them healthy from a movement diet standpoint, a biomechanics standpoint? What is keeping these people on the mats in, in ways that other people are struggling so hard to just find that consistency? Well, I think that you, you have to understand what the value of movement patterns that don't involve, um, you know, weights or other people, uh, you know, what, what those, what those movement patterns, um, what, what their core or their sort of value is. Um, first, you have to, I think you have to understand what is mobility to begin with. It, you know, uh, understand like strength training is designed to give you the muscular horsepower to execute movement, you know, to use force, to create force. Mm -hmm. against uh, an object, uh, even if that's the earth, you know, and, and right. like you're leaping. Uh, but mobility 
is not specific to strength. It's strength is one of the elements that uh, is you know that that makes something mobile. Because uh, mobility in the world of sort of physiology is typically referring to the joints, and the joints for the joint to be fully mobile, it is it is implied or assumed that that joint has strength, so that the soft tissue around it. Uh, in the in the muscular um, connections and surroundings, and uh, that th there there is a certain you know there's strength there. There's the ability for that joint to bear weight and load. Uh, and then there is uh, the health of that soft tissue. So you know you can be strong, but you you can have damage to some of the components of a joint. And then there's flexibility of that tissue, so that the joint can move from end range to end range so if you understand that what you're when you're thinking longevity you're thinking well i need my joint to move from its end range to its end range freely but not just freely also with uh, with the competence it needs to be right. able to do it uh you know in 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 a given sort of container that container might be wrestling it might be cycling you know it, it might be golf whatever but that joint needs to be able to express itself from one end to the other with load on it depending on what that load is of course the the, the sort of the heaviest load you can put on a joint would probably more than likely be like uh, a strongman contest where you're bearing some ungodly, stone or something yeah, like that some ungodly yeah. amount of weight then next to that, it would probably be wrestling where you're, you know, m moving another person your own weight uh, and, and, and which is, again, extremely heavy because even if you're 170 pounds, 170 pounds is very heavy. If you've picked up a 45-pound kettlebell, you know what 170 pounds would feel right. like, even though 170 doesn't sound like that much, you know, uh, given that people squat. 600 pounds but when you think about uh the you know how difficult it is to move that kind of weight in certain positions you understand that even if you can squat 600 pounds that you can't squat 600 pounds in every at every angle yeah. in, in right in every condition well, I, I think about this a lot because i i go you could be s strong right from a rep max view and a, a strong man is a great example of that, or a power lifter, like you can perform a max effort lift and it's well in excess of your body and you do it with proficiency and it's impressive and it's strong in the frontal plane in that movement alone. But you go to an academy and you take a strong person and now the forces acting against you are angular. They're changing weight as they move against or away from you or on top of you, down, up, pulling, pressing, pushing, all the different motions. And now this strength idea is kind of flipped up on its head because you might not be strong over there, upside down, into the ground on your neck with someone half your size. So maybe not even close to the excess of weight that you're lifting in the gym. But now they're bearing down on you in an angle that you're not used to and you are now quote, weak in that position. And you see this all the time with very strong people that come into jujitsu academies who lack flexibility, lack mobility, 
or multi-planar proficiency, and they get slammed. But then you look at some of these elite level guys, and there's a range of movement proficiency. And that's why I think that's why I was, I was curious on this question in the first place is you get to see some of these guys who do have variance in their movement proficiency. Someone may be from a, a movement assessment view, very proficient. And then you might have someone whose their deficiencies or limitations actually work to their advantage, their, their style as a fighter, and they play into their ability. So do you ever see that where you're working with someone and you're trying to extract or, or build upon these mobility principles and, and really put flow back into their movement, but you don't want to put too many cooks in the kitchen and change some things that are already helping them? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, every, I mean, I, I agree that anatomy, you know, helps determine limitation. Limitation helps determine possibility. So, you know, you can certainly figure out like, okay, well, you know, what kind of, what kind of limitations do we have here? Then what are we going to do with that? Uh, how are we going to work with that and create, you know, you know, what, what's possible around it? Um, so yeah, I, I, I always go with, I always sort of begin with, uh, with a fighter's or an athlete's limitations and say, okay, so here's where we're at. Now let's kind of work around that area and start developing more sensitivity to sort of the surrounding component components, you know, so in other words, if your hip is, uh, if you've got very limited range in your hips, you know, we may start dealing with your front line, back line, you know, legs, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to just go right after the hips and, and sort of isolate that because it, I think it's, it's more than that, even though that certainly is part of the problem. But when you've got all these different athletes, I, I think that what athletes do too is that they build around their limitations as well. They know what they can and can't do. Uh, and so they build a game that typically exploits their strengths and it sort of ignores their weaknesses. And, you know, the, 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 the job really of a movement coach or specialist is to shine a light into those sort of dark corners and get the athlete to address them and say, Hey, you know, I know you don't want to do this, but we're going to have to do this if you're going to, uh, maintain your, um, you know, your health, the, the health and wellness of the joint of your body. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's crucial because everything in your body is something your entire frame or system is compensating, you know, because, you know, when your hip is tight, it's your knee that takes all the, the torque and rotation. And so of course, this is how you blow your knee out is by having yep. tight hips. Um, so it's, you know, but and guys who don't have tight hips have very, very loose hips. You know, it's very difficult to blow their knees out because they're, you know, the hip, you know, takes all that rotation. So it's just getting these guys to understand it's just inevitable before they get injured in that, in, in some sort of, you know, some, 
corresponding, you know, bone a joint, you know, is just right. And is just corresponding from one place to another. So it's like, okay. So it's like, you know, if, if I can't get it here, I'll get, you know, the body's like, if I can't get rotation here, I'll go over here. If I can't get rotation, I'm going to get it somewhere. And if that means at the expense of the, the components that hold the joint together, so be it. And ski accidents are probably, you know, just the foot's going to rotate where it's going to rotate. So, well, the line, there's a laundry list there too. Like that, that was my whole background was competitive skiing growing up in Colorado and everyone just, they go, I I must be because my quads were weak. It's like, no, (laughs) there's, there's so many other things in the hierarchy of importance of, of creating a skier capable of skiing. And it's, I don't, I, you know, in jujitsu too, I don't blame the layman because there's too, it's almost, there's too much information that you can find information that doesn't serve you very quickly. And especially in, in things like martial arts, I can only imagine, I, I have never worked personally with fighters at the level that you do, but I can only imagine that the, their brain, right. Is if I have a free hour, if I have an extra half hour, I want to spend it sparring. I want to spend it honing the skill. I want to spend it doing the thing and getting that conversation to happen where they begin to understand the value of doing something like investing in your own movement patterns, hard to connect the dots looking forward saying, Hey, we're talking reducing the risk of injury on your knee, reducing the risk of injury at your ankle joint, your hip joint up into the joints that make all the mechanics that throw the punches and throw the kicks and check the kicks in the first place. And you can't show that to them until they experience and go, Whoa, Cameron, I'm so glad that I listened to you and we focused on all that movement stuff because I know that I would have blown my knee in that situation had we not. Yeah, I think too, you said it uh, when you said the the word uh, recovery and that's the key element. It's, it's, you know, getting these fighters to, to, to invest in restoration and recovery as much as they invest into their skill building for their, for the actual, you know, again, mobility is not going to make you better at jujitsu. Jujitsu is going to make you better at jujitsu, but mobility is going to give you uh, more tools to have at your disposal. You have more awareness of joint range. You understand where you can load, where you can bear weight, where you're weak, where you're strong. You learn so much about your body when you train in in our like our system specifically budokan mobility um we have this body of movement patterns that we teach and through those movement patterns a, a mover a fighter whatever the person moving is given the opportunity to explore and discover places in their body where they are you know from one range in range to another end range uh, and everything in you know just everything in between Right. They get to get curious about that in a non-competitive, non-aggressive, you know, there's zero, um, in this environment, there's zero uh, risk. Uh, there's zero um, a, a, a sort of, a, there's there's nothing driving the athlete to compete or to um, try to, uh, achieve anything in it. It's, 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 it's a discovery process. 
And yeah. that's very different. And it's almost even creative. It's like a different place to go for the athlete's brain, where is like they're 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 mostly in this sort of critical thinking task, you know, oriented problem solving state. You know, I'm I'm you know, I've got to do this to, and this sort of calms the nervous system down. Yeah. And allows them to just be a bit creative and a bit explorative. Just lay on the floor, move, play with play with uh, these patterns to again discover. Oh, okay, there's where I'm super tight. Oh, this is where uh, I, I I start to feel weak in that range. Um, this is where I'm having trouble putting, um, you know executing my right and left side at the same time, my contralateral movement somehow is, uh, I'm not able to, you know, produce a, you know, a, um, um, in sort of an, a grace and, and, and an eloquence in, in, in my, in, in my, in my movement. But I don't want to say movement. I'd say like locomotion, because really for us, all of our patterns have to do with moving across the ground. So right. they're locomotive by their nature, which means um, I'm teaching people to travel. It's like like some people think of mobility as something where like you're just rotating your wrist right. or you're rotating your shoulder. But yeah. that's not what we do. We are actually using patterns to explore you know, positions and I break it into five general positions that we work from and we'll work from supine, prone, side body, upright and inverted. And I'm like, okay, we're in one of these five positions and now we're going to transition from one of these five positions to, to another one because there's nowhere else to go. You're either upright, inverted, prone, supine or side body. There's no other place you can be as a human being, you could be floating in the air, but, uh, then, <laughs> good luck. You yeah, figure that luck. out. Give me a call. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know. Um, so getting the individual to say, okay, you know, take me from supine to prone in this transition. So go from your belly down position to your, to your belly up. How would you do it? What ways are possible for you to transition from that p place to another? And that's why this becomes an explored exploration of, 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 you know, of, of conscious movement. Like what, what does your body, what does your sort of intuition tell you? What do you instinctually want to do? What have you been trained to do? So much comes up when you yeah. just ask a person to move from point A to point B. And that, that's sort of the, the, the magic in it is that you start examining what's possible there without judgment about what's right and wrong. Cause there's no wrong way to do anything or right way to do anything. They're just different ways and given different conditions, uh, you know, one way works and one way doesn't one way produces the, uh, the result you want. One way does it's not about right or wrong. You know, like you said, like in jujitsu, I can sit up, you know, in the real world without fighting someone, I can sit up any way I want. But in jujitsu, if I'm fighting another person, I can't just sit up any way I want because it doesn't work. Right. There's pressure coming down on me or there's risk if I bring my face forward, my head. So 
every container asks you to, you know, to be able to, you know, show up with a different way of moving or transitioning. And that's sort of our work is exploring all the ways that you can do it and then being able to pick from them, um, you know, in real time as you're, you know, you know, I guess that's pretty much a summarization of the general idea. Well, I've, I have really appreciated watching the, a lot of the content that you put out. It, it strikes me almost as like the intersection of gymnastics proficiency, which I've always personally held gymnasts to the highest kind of pedestal of movement, like their strength to weight ratio and capabilities, flexibility meets mobility, uh, the, the extreme versions of movements like iron crosses and things like that, that really demonstrate absolute bodily control. I see a lot of that in, in the rolling and the tumbling that you do, but it's also extremely responsive. Like there's not, um, I've actually had to go and I've been studying movement my whole life. I'd have to go back and watch a couple of your videos over and over and over to see, I'm like, at what point did he change direction? Cause I would see you kind of roll and show up on the other side of the room and I'd, I'd kind of scrub it through with my thumb and go, oh, you know, you, you hit this point and you've done so much exploration in these patterns that your response to gravity and motion springs you into this next spot. And that is such a useful tool in any combat anything because it's in the resistance and the fighting that you lose position increase your risk of injury, uh, end up in a spot that you don't want to on accident because you were too resisting, right? But this flow in and out of constant movement and change. And then when you you have examples where you do this alongside someone, like maybe you uh, monkey hops into uh, kind of like a, why I can't even remember, hummel into like a pummel and then out of one and then you're on the ground and you're up but there's no like you had mentioned in, in this example there's intensity in in your focus you're you're very clearly honing in on mastering these movements but you're not trying to win and it's so rare that you see in an academy two people going together that truly aren't trying to one up each other and that's where all this magic happens because you can explore what's happening without being worried about losing, which is some ego thing that we bring into it in the first place. But that's so, so hard for people. And I, to give an example, if anyone's listening, like you, you show up, you ask someone to flow roll with full intent and 45 seconds into the flow roll, you can feel the tension, right? It's very hard to, for people to let go of that. When did you feel in your journey through the sport and through combat sports and yoga and breathing, did you start to really double down on your interest in what you've created with the whole curriculum? Well, um, I mean, I think that, you know, to the point of like what you're saying about flow, you know, flowing and, and, you know, I, I think what happens, there's, there's, you know, the, the flow rolling concept really, this really came from the Brazilians, you know, um, the, this, this is where they, they, they transitioned jujitsu from flow rolling. I mean, from, from, from 
the Japanese style, which is very much about um, finishing, and and you know it's, it's it's very like start, finish, completion. You know, it's not about getting on the mat and rolling and playing this game, because the samurai culture was obviously about survival and it was about being a being efficient uh you do you know the, the, we're not going to sit like the notion given the container given the container that that culture existed within it just wouldn't make any sense to roll around on the ground like to create because Absolutely. of the the draw and the finish well I mean, forget even having a weapon. Let's just say that you've, 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 you know, for whatever reason, you don't have weapons anymore. And now you're just in hand to hand combat and you're, hmm. but you're still in armor. You're still fighting. Right. It, it, it would not make any sense to try and have a jujitsu match the way that we think of jujitsu modern right. and contemporary because they're, you're on a battlefield and you need to get up and you need to be done. You need to in and out and get and, and, and get on with it. So the Japanese never had a vision for that, uh, that kind of expression of jujitsu because they're very true. They're, they're the kind of people that are very true to the essence of something and the essence of combat for them was life or death. You either killed the person and you got on with it or you got killed and you, and, and got, but the idea that we're going to roll around and, you know, explore plate in an idea that's very Brazilian. And it's a luxury item. If you really think about it, because jujitsu was born not out of luxury, but out of necessity. And Brazilian jujitsu was born out of luxury. And the, that was the luxury of not, you know, it's not life or death. It's a street fight most of the time. It's just a, it's a pride fight. It's a fight about, you know, territory, toughness, ego, you know, but, but the, but the number of people that died, you know what I mean? We're, we're yeah. far, you know, well, far the Kodakon had very strict rules against challenge at all. Like there was to be no challenging of the principles, whereas Brazilian culture really leaned into that and said, Hey, yeah. let's this school versus that school, Copacabana yeah, Beach, let's yeah. go. Yeah, you have that too, for sure. But I mean, you're talking pre Kodakon, you know, you're talking about the Edo period, you're talking about samurai, you know, you're talking about, you know, just where the whole art came from. And, mm -hmm. and, and with the Japanese, you have to understand that they're very, uh, the change is not a thing for them. Everything is done the way it was always done. And that's how it's done. And you don't, you know, you don't, you're not trying to, you're not trying to, you know, adjust anything because then if you adjusted it, it wouldn't be traditional. And if it's not right. from the tradition, then why are we, you know, so there's a, there's a big conflict in Japanese culture around that. But I think that understanding flowing that that this is an opportunity for you to have that kind of feeling of getting on the ground and flowing and moving where you know, flow rolling is, you know, and it can, it can be a lot of fun, it, but at the same time, 
you you also have to understand what that you have to have a certain level of competence to even flow roll like to imagine that you can just have a couple people with very limited understanding of of movement jujitsu flow rolling i mean what what are they you know what are they going to be doing they're they're not going to be doing much because they're going to be stuck all the time in moments that they don't have answers to so so the, the the best flow roll is is two black belts who are rolling and both have answers to everything the other is creating and that's what's creating the flow and the fun i go here to your back and you escape going here to my this and then i and i'm countering with that and then you're and that because it's basically like Eminem and you know and 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 Talib Kweli having a, a, a you know rap battle it's like two very competent rappers having a conversation live but because they both can do it versus you know I'm brand new at rapping and I'm trying but every, yeah but everything I'm doing honestly is is first of all it's all scripted I can't remember any of it I have to read it you know like I, I and even if it's even if I have to read it I I can't make it up in the moment so right. you know I think flow rolling is really difficult for most people. I think we underestimate the, the complexity of it. I think it's actually a very complex idea and it, and it sort of requires a, a fairly high level of competence. Um, and, and so I think they're like, Hey man, you know, let's get a couple blue belts to flow roll. I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, do you, what, what answers do you guys have for all these problems that are going to you know occur? So, you know, I, I, I have a certain, I have a certain, you know, thought process around flowing. And when you get in here on the mat with Budokan mobility, you can flow here because you don't have any, you know, pressure to do anything else but that. And I think that that's the future of, I think the future of jujitsu, you know, like I, I, my work right now is to interrupt the, the jiu-jitsu culture that says that, you know, it's, it's, it makes sense to run around a room and touch your knees and do jumping jacks when you could uh, be doing, you know, 10 million other skill building movements, that, you know, that, that, that have nothing to do with that. But yet, you, yet you've, that's hit my, you've, you've hit a nail uh, on the head of a recurring theme on this show, which is my qualms with the warm up process in jujitsu. It, 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 I, I respect it in and only that the tradition that I get. Yeah, but, that but, 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 yeah, but you know, it's not even, that's what's funny tradition. What, like, wh where did it get handed down from? Like are jumping jacks, the tradition, you know, like is jump running around the room, touching your knees and your feet, like some that something passed down from some generational, you know, uh, 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 um, is it is is it, you know, is it a technique? Is it some kind of um, secret, uh, you know, sacred warm up that was ritual, on, yeah, <laughs> ritual passed down from the wizard of jujitsu? No, it's a fucking lazy way. It's it's somebody who's just like, okay, how do I get these guys warmed up? How do I how do I warm up myself? I know I'll run around the room. Okay, cool. You run around Makes the room. No sense. Oh, yeah, no sense. I'll do. And and on top of that, I mean, aside from the fact that 
doing half-assed high knees, half-assed butt kickers, uh, two inside, two outside, face the room, karaoke, front roll, back roll. Aside from that, just not making sense for what you're about to do. It is the general cool warm up and then sit on the floor and do nothing as you watch technique, let the heart rate come all the way back down, stop all heat in the body, and then live rolls. That whole that whole arc of movement, it, you would never see in any other athletic setting, let alone one that involves combat, aggression, intensity, and then an inability to regulate your own skill in many cases when people are new. Seeing what you guys are doing, these, like I said, these movement patterns, it's like it, it, for a ton of different reasons, it's valuable. But for the person who's showing up three times a week after their job, who just generally lacks movement proficiency in and of itself, it gives them the opportunity to explore what their body does and actually develop proprioception by their own regard, which nothing will serve you better in jujitsu than knowing where you are in space. So this run around the room, do the high knees, kick your butt, face inside, face outside. When does it, it's got to stop. It's got to stop soon well well it doesn't stop until there is until you i mean why did the avoidance of leg locks stop well it's because someone came along and disrupted that and start and demonstrated that if you have leg locks, you can be more, you can dominate, you know, other people who don't. And that was a very, you know, it, it, I mean, it was, it was a very clear interruption and it changed the culture of jujitsu as we both know to this day. Um, and, and, and what's ironic is it wasn't new, you know, it's like none of these leg locks are new. They're all pre-existing, um, you know, right. things. Some of the entries are new. Some of the, you know, weirdness can be new ideas. But, you know, the general problems were always, they were always solved a long time ago. And I think that something's going to have to happen similar to that where something comes along that makes people go, oh, well, you know, why are we doing it like this uh, when we could be doing it like that? Because that way produces, uh, you know, this result, which we got, have to all agree we want. And, and the result for in the other situation was we all agree we want to win. So, you know, we'll incorporate leg locks. Okay. Right, right. Um, so yeah. that's pretty, right. That's an easy yeah. one. And then you think about this one, which is interesting. Can't we all agree we want to be able to do jujitsu longer? Can't we agree we want to have, you know, longevity and sustainability? You know, it's like I I think what, what happens for people with me is like I'm I I roll, train, move, and then and then what happens is people forget I'm 51 years old because <laughs> I'm moving yeah. just like them. And so right. Instead of thinking of me like this older guy, they think of me as a contemporary because I'm, you know, I'm I'm doing what they're doing. We're all doing, right. you know, we're all in 
but and then they forget actually like oh wow oh yeah this guy's 25 years older than me and yeah. he's still moving just like i am and you're, you're not exhibiting geriatric characteristics right you've and, taken movement seriously your whole life right but maybe that's you know in a way it's also problematic because i think that they also then just forget <laughs> the the irony of that is they also right. forget that that that's what's going on like they 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 become blind to oh yeah uh, uh, how do you do that? You know, you know, right. what I mean? Oh, how, how are you? Well, the, I, so I want, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I've, I've, when I think through this, because I, I, I agree. The leg lock example is a really good example of how you get a concept like adjusting the preparatory movements for jujitsu and, and getting a good change to come about. But here, here's one thing that I feel like, uh, people run into when I try to walk myself all the way through this. So there's two things. One is, and I, I will try, if I'm ever leading a warm-up, I'll do this. I'll do more dynamic movements where you're flowing from one to the other. And what happens is, because many people have just never considered their own mobility in the first place, and perhaps jujitsu is kind of the one thing that they do that's non-sedentary, when they meet these patterns, they go, whoa, I, I can't do that, right? That's their initial, the thought in their head is, I can't do that, and now I feel silly, and I don't know what I'm doing. So if we're, if we're talking about kind of the general practitioner here, right, the hobbyist, not not the elite level grappler. Mm -hmm. And so that's one side is the attendees, the people in the class. The second would be perhaps the instructor themselves lacks the mobility or understanding of these patterns to know what to do or how to perform them efficiently. So mm -hmm. they naturally default to the things that they know, which is what they've done as they went through jujitsu for 10 to 20 years and ascended to black belt competitive or not. So what do you feel like is the introduction point to get these concepts into academies where people understand them and can start to roll them out? Because I, I, I am so on board with this change. I, I think it's very, very important, especially as the sport grows, because with more hundreds of thousands of people doing this, bad warmups, will mean more injuries period and that's yeah. going to be problematic for the growth of the the art agreed and and yeah not only is it yeah it's problematic to to your point to the growth it's problematic to more importantly to me it's problematic for the people who come to jujitsu trusting that they're going to be guided in this process properly. And, and, and in some ways, there's a negligence that you can even argue is occurring when the when when people are not recognizing the 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 seriousness mm -hmm. of what you're asking these people to do, right? We go back to wrestling yeah. another human being is a very <laughs> dangerous thing. You yeah. can get hurt very, very easily. Mm -hmm. And that's when you're trained. Right. So introducing this idea has got to come top down. Yeah. Obviously, 
it's it's got to come from the teachers and the influencers and those out there that really give a shit about their students because it what it it's not it's not an ego thing it's like do you care about your students or not period that's it you know, or do you just like care about your reputation? You know, we're not going to teach any silly movement shit. You know, we're going to teach yoga in our thing. It was like, okay, so what's more important to you is, you know, your personal biases rather than what's good and healthy for your, you know, these people that, that walk in here and again, expect to be, you know, cared for, you know, what is ultimately a very uh, sort of vulnerable physical state. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, anybody knows that. So, top-down education. I'm traveling year-round, going to different jujitsu schools, teaching workshops and seminars, trying to shift the culture by doing that. And that, you know, that's like a you know one one disruption. I offer education for teachers to come and learn the work but you know of course you know you've got so much resistance from yeah. from these guys because you know in their minds i think the, the one of the biggest problems is in, in a lot of these guys minds that it's okay to lose like people are going to get hurt that's their attitude it's just like well people get hurt you know people are going to get hurt i'm like no people the only the only thing you should be able to right off as just like just that's jujitsu is when you're in a scramble and you put your you know finger on the mat wrong and you you know you, you break your pinky or right. you or you get Cute trauma exactly you get yeah. oh you accidentally get need in, in the thing in the whatever okay got it but we're talking about people who don't know how to position their body properly yes and don't know their range the capacity in which they can bear weight at a range they don't know anything about themselves and then you're asking them to do all this complex stuff because jujitsu is complex it's not simple it's it's it is the, the fundamental uh purpose is simple it's like pass the guard stop someone stop someone from passing your guard yeah. okay you got it but now we've created an entire you know, curriculum around ways to do these things right. that become quite complicated and they involve quite acrobatic and, and, uh, they were, you know, the, the things that they were, the things they ask of a person athletically, they ask you to be strong. They ask you to be flexible. They ask you to be, um, uh, you know, healthy and, and, and physically capable they, 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 all these things require all that. Like, think about it. What in jujitsu yeah. doesn't require you to be, to have some, you know, if not all of these elements present at one time? Constantly. Constantly. Is there anything in jujitsu that doesn't require some level of flexibility in some area? You know, right. I mean, there's very few things where you don't need to have range of motion in a joint and healthy joints and uh um strong joints so it's like so it, it, to me there's a level of again um 
just incompetence, man. It's like, it's like, come on, you're, 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 you, you, you have to, I mean, again, I mean, I think that's probably too judgmental on my part. Well, there, I, there's, I, there's some truth here in that. I, I mean, if we use part of it is that the, the money isn't there as it is in other places. So if we use the NFL as an example, right? If a guy is making a route and he does a hard right cut and he plants and the turf moves and he separates his knee, that's kind of, that's a, well, it's just jujitsu example in a different sport where, or, or if he gets tackled below the waist by another guy right. twice his size, okay, yeah. the knee is okay. going to go. But right. if the player is walking out onto the field and they do a drop back pass and they blow and they tear their shoulder, that's a 100% not okay movement. And right. the, you know, the coaches are going to be looked at. What are they doing in prep? What are they doing in their strength? All this stuff. So if we look to jujitsu, yes, sometimes jujitsu is going to happen. You're going to go to pass someone's guard. They're going to spaz, they're going to knee you, and they're going to break your nose. You're going to go to, to plant or post and your finger's going to go the other way. You're going to break your finger. But if you are warming up or you are very early in a, a role with somebody else, and a purely movement-based injury happens because your knee goes up too high towards your chest and you've never addressed hip mobility because it never dawned on you that that might be something to consider, or you twist with your upper body and your lower body stays, and that's a very basic rotation in your thoracic that you don't know happen all the time. Yeah, yeah. These are things that are happening at the negligence of whoever is talking about it or leading it right and right and this is where it's kind of tricky because you know i, I don't want to I, mean, I get like, fired up on this yeah i don't want to call anyone yeah i mean the thing is i'm with you i don't want to call anyone negligent but let's be honest there's a negligence if you i mean look here's the reality there's only negligence if you know better like otherwise yeah. otherwise there's just ignorance <laughs> that's yeah. the difference well and that's a big part of this problem Right. right. And that's what I'm saying. I think we've probably got a real ignorance epidemic here and less of a globally. Yeah, globally <laughs> it's all about ignorance, less than it is um, so much liability. Oh, no. I mean, excuse me. They all have everybody has liability, but so much um, negligence on the part of a teacher because that Im that implies they know better. And a lot of these guys just don't. Right. And. I think at some point there's a tipping, like all things have a tipping point that we will reach in this sport where, where the culture makes a shift and says, you know, why are we not giving our students the best experience that they can have and 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 until they realize that the warm up is essential and that the warm up is a part of the experience and that the warm up is jujitsu too yes that's a key distinction they don't think it that they, they're still not clear that this is jujitsu. They're like, no, there's the warm up and there's jujitsu, and that's why they let people opt out of it. That's why you know you've got a bunch of knuckleheads sitting on the floor, you know, doing nothing but. Well, you know what's you know what's so funny about this is so many times you'll see people kind of peel out of the warm up. You know, they'll peel out and they'll go kind of down the mat, 
And then you watch what they do. And what they do is exploration because they're trying to figure out what doesn't feel good. They'll be doing right lateral steps around and they go, ooh, that wasn't right. And then they go down on the other end of the mat and they get down on the ground and they start rolling through different patterns and, and trying to pinpoint this thing. That's like you do it on accident when you're trying to figure it out. That's what we need is more of that, more yeah, we, we how need, do I no. feel today? Agreed. Agreed. We need for jujitsu to be more of an exploration of character, of self, of, of body, of mind. It needs to develop. It needs to be a, a much more well-rounded experience than a pure uh, combat environment. And, and until we, you know, until we stop, and again, I blame it on the tournaments and all that shit. It's like perfect example, IBJJF, uh, you know, just trying to make money, uh, you know, like, oh, we've helped the sport of jujitsu get so big. Well, no denying that, but you've also helped destroy the culture of jujitsu. Why do you because think, what do you mean by that? I mean that the culture of jiu-jitsu that came from the Japanese was a culture of of the do, judo, karate do, taekwondo. Do means way, a way of living your life. When you take away the do and you replace it with this this sport element, where it's just like you know, jiu-jitsu is about you know, coming in, I mean, a lot of people, lots of people say, you know, jiu-jitsu is a way of living your life. Yeah, but how are you teaching that? What exactly are you, what exactly are you doing in this school that is bridging the gap between what happens on this mat and what happens out there? Because most of the time, what's going on out there is that people are coming in, they're learning, they're learning this physical, uh, you know, this this physical, um, let's call it a physical curriculum. And they're not being, when's the last time you heard of a school testing a student on their character? Like testing them on their character. It's one thing to say it in a fucking, on, on, a, on a poster you put on the wall. We're all about character. We're all about this, we're all about that. How exactly do you measure that? Like what, what exactly is going on in this, in this school that is, that do you have a reading? Do you have a reading list of books that are specific to self development, or do you have a curriculum that people are like? What exactly is your education model? Because uh, I guarantee you, it's about giving people belts and making money. And and do you and, feel and, like that's the place for that though? Like I, I yes. Yes, you, absolutely. You feel like it should be like character should be taught as part because I, I feel like that just no. more to just explore this conversation. I, I've not really thought about this to be honest. Okay. Um, but thinking about it, I don't like I don't want to go to jujitsu to get my philosophy. If that makes well, sense. That, well, then then you don't want to do like, but I have philosophical appreciation for right, elements of jujitsu. Right, but that's but what you're doing is not traditional jujitsu. What you want to do? That's okay. 
that's fine. But if you right. want to do modern day sport jujitsu, then you can go to this reduced experience that has been, again, the complexity of jujitsu has been reduced to just being about the, the physical sport. That's what we do in a Western culture. We reduce complex ideas into concentrates. And then we sell those concentrates, we exploit them, and then we get people addicted to them or dependent upon them. I mean, that's how we do it. That's what corn syrup is. You can, you can enjoy jujitsu without enjoying the sport aspect of it. I can enjoy current corn syrup. Yeah, but I'm saying like that, that doesn't create an issue in a – like if someone's going to an academy and they are their, – their personal self is improving as a result of being there without – a philosophical component to the classes, that's a net positive for that individual, I would say. No? Well, at the cost of what though? Because that's like that's like saying that because something produces a that's like saying that technology gives you something. This is this is an argument that's very this very modern, is that we should be grateful for technology or for the sort of the, the advancement of things. And then, and then at the same time, every technological advance, and I'm using quotation marks in the air, comes with, comes with five different problems it just created. Like every, for everything that we create that is a convenience, it, it comes also with five other problems. So it's like it's convenient to just go to the grocery store and get your food when you don't have to hunt and gather it anymore. But what's the cost of not knowing how to hunt and gather? Well, the cost is that you don't know how to fucking survive and that if food stops coming, you will starve to death. So when you continue to reduce something as complex as the samurai had created, which was a complete system of character development, you, 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 it would, the whole design was to produce a renaissance style individual that was cultured. They were artists, they were scientists, they were philosophers, and they were able to be, be to fully express themselves in all areas. And that was the whole point. But if you want to reduce it down just to the kicky punchy stuff or the choky, you know, the choky stuff or the, you know, you can do that. But then you, of course, have to really ask yourself what is lost and then what problems are produced when you when you take a part of the whole and you again scrap those other parts and so i'm just arguing that the origin of this work it was very complex and it was designed to de develop the entire person if we want to reduce and take a small part of it and 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 you know and sell that um, uh, you know what cuz what we do we we we've uh, you know like all things in in the west we've again turned it into a commodity and we've monetized it and so if you want to monetize it then you have to when you monetize anything you also have to reduce a lot of the things that uh, that that the the culture doesn't want to do it's like oh well i don't want to meditate you know, meditation, I'm not going to do that. Oh, sweet. Well, don't worry. We won't meditate in class. Oh, you know what? I don't want to, I don't want to, to bow. Bowing seems like, like I have to, like, I, I you know, like, like, I don't want to have to, you know, I don't want some hierarchy in here. Oh, don't worry. We're not going to do that. Before you know it, it's just reduced to a bunch of dudes walking in a room 
you know, fist bumping and rolling around together. Now, don't get me wrong. That's completely what it is. It is, is as it is. It's not about it being right or wrong. I'm arguing not about rights and wrongs. I'm arguing for what is necessary or unnecessary. What, what does something produce in one form or shape and what does it produce in another? What does it fail to produce? And so I'm going to go back to the, the, the metaphor of hunter-gatherer. Once we moved out of a hunter-gatherer tribal sort of construct as, as, as a people where you say you've got 100, 150 people live together, we all do. Once we moved out of that into giant cities and all this stuff, you tell me how society, how, how, how humanity's doing. How are we doing? <laughs> like, well, how, I guess it, we, I mean, that's a, that's a perspective issue. Be well, about because there's a lot of positives that have changed since then. I, I don't see it's not I all, it's all not. I mean, you can identify the negatives, you know, it's just like I would push back a lot personally. And again, this is for the, to further the conversation, not to fight you, but oh, no, I would I argue, you. I love a good yeah, debate. I would argue, um, for sport, I think sport has done phenomenal things for jujitsu, and I think that there are practitioners in the sport realm of jiu-jitsu that are phenomenal examples of human beings who are present examples that other people come into contact with jiu-jitsu because of and sport is the the pages with which people read about these people so as much as i i always understand whenever you take something that that does have any type of philosophical root and value like a value system that an individual can learn from and you expand that to allow it to grow and as you said monetize it because even with uh your curriculum right your curriculum is monetized it must be and but that's a good thing it, it, and it allows people to get value out of participating in it and with with the growth of sport i understand that that does adopt an athletic mindset and that's a, that can be a specific type of person. And certainly there are some things that are lost from the foundation of where jujitsu came from with the growth of things like IBJJF and ADCC and all these different promotions that are trying to get it further and further out there to people. But I feel like that's something well, really I disagree, special about it. I disagree there though. They're not trying to get it further out. They're trying to make more money. So what you're doing, you're you're assigning to their behavior some type of uh, f f moral, you know, high but ground. I, but I understand I, that. Yeah. Like things yeah. got to make money. There's people that are working I, I, hard. I right? have no it, issue with it, but I but yeah. let's not but let's not misrepresent it. Like you can't say, oh, these guys are like they're trying to spread jujitsu. No, they're trying to make money. But which is, I mean, let, let's just be at least on a, an agreement on yeah. what. And well, you know, because because that would suggest that there's some some driving force behind these corporations that is completely, in some way, just philanthropic. Just like like the world needs more jujitsu. It's gonna, you know, I I question that. I think I mean I think you're totally fair to question that. I don't know any of these individuals on a, on a personal level, like to be fair. So someone like Mo Jassim, right. Who runs up ADCC. I can't personally call into question his character because I don't know, 
he's running a big business. So I, yeah, I would imagine there's heavy concerns on growth and profits. But at the same time, he strikes me as an individual who loves grappling and the art well, of jiu-jitsu and yeah, wants no, it to grow. I don't deny that. Yeah, I'm not questioning his moral. I'm not questioning his morality or his character or his ethics because I don't think I'm not making a judgment call when I'm saying that people Fair. are trying to make money off something because we all have to make money. So it's it's just I'm just pointing out that it is a for-profit you know culture and that's completely fine but mm -hmm. what it's always a question that has to be, there always has to be a question asked when something becomes for profit and what when when your students become customers mm -hmm. something changes and to suggest it doesn't is is in in a way for me it's it's um it there's a naive a naivete there if if we can't see that the if we can't see the difference between a student and a customer i can this, yeah. no this this i can fully align on and i think that this is uh this is a challenge of any school that grows because you're right when that when that when uh what's another good example of this i guess in my in my line of work in in personal training and coaching in the personal training realm, the individual connection with the person is very important. That's the bread and butter of the business. If you're not invested in the health and well-being and longevity of your clients, then you're in the wrong business. Mm -hmm. Group fitness is they're invested in in the well-being of the individuals, but they they are they are customers, not clients. And it it's that same departure from the student into another number on a spreadsheet that's trying to bring in money. So then they want to maximize the amount of attendees that are in the room to get fitness done so that they can maximize the revenue. And well, and you and then the question is what again is lost in order to in order to accomplish this? And I'm arguing that, you know, what's lost from jujitsu in order to commoditize, you know, to, to make it a commodity, to 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 monetize it, to spread it. The question is, it's not a, it's not a, like, there's no debate whether it produces good things. That's, I, I, you and I are completely aligned on it, that it produces good things. What the question is, is, does it, is it as potent as it could be? Hmm. I argue that it's not as potent as it could be for a number of different reasons. One of them, is the movement culture within it, which is what we brought us together in this conversation. That's one of the elements I feel is, is missing from it because it's not sexy and interesting. Because you know what got us started on this conversation was, I was like, well, there should be a philosophical component to right, right. the studying, to, to the process of studying jujitsu. Well, I'm arguing that just like saying that there should be a movement component, but, but your position is like, well, I don't think there needs to be a philosophical component. Well, I can argue there doesn't need to be a movement component either. I can just but say, but you that can't really argue that because we why? both agree. <laughs> but why? Because without 
the movement component that we were talking about, the whole experience doesn't work. But without the philosophical component, I'm just an asshole who can hurt people. Again, I think that I I think that that comes down to the morals of the individual. I think you can be a then good I can person, you, but then I can also well, no no, which is true, which is true, which is true. Okay. Because, for example, myself, I'm going to go to class early to do my own dynamic movement protocol. <laughs> so it that's kind of that's kind of like the individual morals. I think that that's really important. So I'm going to go and I'm going to do that. Does that make sense? Yeah, Maybe but not. Here's I don't know. the thing I would here's the thing I would offer. Is that because you're a philosophical guy anyway, you're not you're not missing that element from the experience. I but think that's imagine, true. I think that's right. true. And imagine how many people are not philosophical by nature and and are desperately malnourished in this area, but don't know it. The same people that come in there that are desperately malnourished from the movement awareness come in that space too. Like imagine all the things that these people don't know that they that could be that would be important to developing them into a great black belt so that they are philosophically mature. They're mature as a critical thinker, emotionally mature. They're from their movement standpoint, they're mature. Think about all the things that would make them a really outstanding black belt that that could be offered as part of the educational process, but isn't because there's an attitude of, okay, people got to get a, you know, they got, they got one hour, they got to get in, they got to get out, they got kids, they got to do this. They gotta, in other words, we've produced yet another container that's all about customer service. And it used to be that, and you imagined that there was a group at, at a time that would come in there and there's no time limit. They don't have a time to be here, be there. Like they're just here and they're here as long as here is. And that's how you studied martial arts in the, in the olden days. I'm just making this up. Well, no, no, but I, I, I think I, there's, I have to respect the time that you've invested in this life into martial arts. That has to be respected. And you've been able to witness a changing of the guard, so to speak, in how things are run as growth happens. And that's a perspective that I'll never be able to experience because I've only been participating in this art for five years, right? So there's there's blind spots that I have that I will never get uh, from that. I guess my the next question to look for a solution, which I my gripe with conversations like these that I hear oftentimes is that they get into the weeds and then they don't talk about a solution. And I'm always curious, the solution, what do you think is a way to, to integrate these kind of things back into something that is continually moving towards sport? Yeah. Great question. And what's, what's the right balance there? Like what is the right balance for, for an academy uh, to invest in the people yeah. that choose to come there it, from yeah. a movement uh, standpoint, from a, you know, who you are out on the street and how you treat other people. And the, I guess the, even beyond that, the qualifications for somebody, what, what does that actually look like to you if have we you step out seen, the way things are? Okay. Have you seen that black guy on Instagram with the gray beard? He's quite well-known. He has a, he's like a martial arts school and he's like a mentor with all these young black men. And, and, and no. he's very, well, it's like something Wilson, I believe is his last name. He's very inspirational, but Man, 
this guy is super philosophical and every moment that he's having with these guys on the mat, he, he brings it back to a philosophical moment. He's, he's, he can't help, he can't help but talk about it because it's so integrated. Like, in other words, there's no separation for him. And in fact, there was this wonderful story, um, uh, with, uh, uh, Uishiba who created Aikido, uh, his students would say that as he got older, he progressively got more inclined to go off on these long philosophical tangents when he taught. So someone would ask him about on purpose on purpose. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. how he was. And he would, cause people, somebody would be like, should your foot be here or here or here? And they'd be like, you know what, what this is all about is love and love. <laughs> Just go off on these tangents about, life and how and metaphors of martial arts as it related to being a human being because jujitsu has so much opportunity you can you can relate any moment in jujitsu to any way of living your life you can talk about right you could talk about you could say you know the way that you make your bed in the morning is the same as like the way you execute something in jujitsu it's like are you gonna are you gonna take a shortcut or are you gonna like you know you can always connect them in some way you can find the 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 place where they intersect and that's what is important when you get philosophical teachers like as an example and in, in in all fairness i think um uh john Donaher. Donaher. Yeah. He is a very philosophical teacher. And I think he brings that to his environment without having to, I don't think he has to, um, you know, necessarily stop and say, hey, guys, we're going to talk uh, about philosophy for the next hour and a half. <laughs> I think that he uses moments when he's teaching yeah. to maybe talk a little bit deeper about something instead of just making it about, Hey, you put your hand here, you grab the collar. It's more like, guys, do you see the connection between the way you do anything is the way you do everything? You know, like if you want to be a more complete individual, you have to figure that what you're doing off the mat is showing up on the mat and what you're doing on the mat is showing up off the mat. And that is the philosophical component and how we keep that conversation going is up to each individual, you know, teacher, but the more teach, the more people black belts we produce that are just interested in the sport, the less we're going to hear philosophical conversations in schools because we're producing again, sport driven, like, like Conor McGregor, perfect example. The difference between Conor McGregor and someone who we all love, like GSP, George St. Pierre. The difference between those two guys, who, by the way, were um, equally successful. And, and I would argue that St. Pierre was even more successful than Connor was ever in the UFC. He defended way more world titles. He, he did it all. But he's a philosopher, and he t he's way more um, – developed and complete in that way and all if in 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 conor mcgregor almost you know all you gotta 
you listen to this guy for five minutes. He, all he wants to talk about are his gold watches and how great he is and his Lamborghinis and his this. And it's like, this is what we're producing. This is what society's producing. And, you, you know, I, I mean, our last president is another example of what society's producing. We're producing. We're, 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 we're just just it's just like entertain us, entertain us, entertain us. And, and, and the further we get away from being philosophical as you know as a cultural norm uh, w the the greater the the more shallow we become in general and it's going to be like this like like let me tell you something i watched traditional karate and traditional taekwondo and traditional kung fu i watched these arts be the most popular things on the planet they were very popular and they were very well practiced and there were superstars that came out of them that were all, you know, Bruce Lee being one of them. And as soon as they lost that, that those elements, jujitsu came in. And, and I can promise you, jujitsu can go the same way. It can go the same exact way. It can get, it can also lose. Like, like, like to think that anything can just stay, you know, credible. If the culture that that it exists within loses its way, America is a great example of that. Again, I'm trying to bring it back to things, analogies, metaphors. America, the more divided we get and confused we get about like who we are, the 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 you know the more vulnerable we become as a country. Our so, a, a, an interesting an interesting counter to this view. So, I actually think that the growth of sport will solve part of the movement problem because as sports grow and athletes become more invested in their longevity from a monetary standpoint, like if they're, you know, with more money gets pumped into a sport, that sport's going to have more opportunities to make money. So athletes are going to take it more seriously. And when they do that, they start to invest more in their recovery, their preparation. And that's when I think they look to people who actually know what's going on from a movement standpoint, like yourself. Uh, to Maybe bring on board and athletes, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm talking like even uh, a good example would be like current, like Colabate and Tyne and Dalpra, both very seriously approach their their movement, their physical therapy, and and training for jujitsu, right? And so it's those are two prominent figures and up and coming in the sport element of jujitsu with a lot of young eyes looking up on them. But they're very transparently showing that beyond the mat, they're also addressing their mobility, their flexibility, their strength and conditioning, and their preparation for training. That if they're not just showing up and doing leg kicks and getting going, but they have variance in range and intensity of their training, they, they're taking it more seriously. So I kind of look at that as like, this could be a really good thing, right? You get young athletes who are doing well, they're excelling in the sport element of it. Schools then will start to cater to that. And that creates an opportunity to go, hey, is what we're doing the most optimal movement opportunity for people or do we need to rethink this thing? And I'm not saying that this is the sure shot way that this fixes, but I do see a window of opportunity within sport to change just by design how people think about movement that may have otherwise not considered it. Do you think that there's any alignment there? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a that there's a, a huge influence that guys like Cole have 
on the on the sport and on the culture. I I, I do think that young people who follow him or are thinking, you know, hey, I want to do it. This guy's doing. If that's what right. he's doing, I want to do it. I think that the the only downside really is well, I find it's downside. The, the limitation of it is that it's is that I would argue that it's primarily um, adopted by competitors and not the average person because we still haven't, in some ways, we still haven't proven to the average jujitsu guy that right. stretching matters. That yeah. that that you know that guy still thinks yoga is stupid. And that that's yeah. what his wife does. Right. You, know, you know, I mean, I'm just saying there's still a lot of culture that, that has that. But I think that's so uplifting to see, like, when you get in with the guys at Kill Cliff, like, these are monsters. These are some of the best fighters in the world. The most accomplished, aggressive, like, I mean, these, <laughs> they're literally licensed killers, right? Right, but they're Any, motivated. Anyone else in the world. Right, but they're motivated to... Because it's their career and it's their profession, right. and they're motivated to do what it takes to continue on in that. What I'm arguing is that the average person, the question is, what is their motivation? Because you and the I, average, understand, yeah, yeah, we understand it. Person. We we understand that Tom, who's a mechanic and comes and does jujitsu, we understand that his body's going to feel better if he just took care of it more and if he understood this but in his mind he's like yeah but like you know i'm doing jujitsu and i and i got an hour a day and all i can do is you know like i got to make a decision because right. i don't have a lot of time and so i think then it falls on the jujitsu school to say hey maybe you maybe 20 minutes of good stretching and is really just as valuable to your peeps as you know as what you of uh, 20 minutes of whatever you know whatever you else you could have done in that 20 minutes i i just think that we're i think we're just simply we could solve the problem if we weren't so you know stubborn about about wanting to give people jujitsu when this is jujitsu movement yes Movement competence is jujitsu. I yeah, I, I hope that that lands on all ears. I mean, I I'm a really I'm a firm believer that part of it is conversations like this. It's conversations like this that start things moving and and they get people to think about something in a way that they didn't before. You couple that with athletic examples and leadership examples of people that like yourself been doing this for a long time. You didn't show up yesterday. You understand the demands. You're 51. You're still doing it. You're not 51 and battered and broken down and making excuses for why you can't get off the couch. You're doing it. And you're doing it and people are going, wait, what? You're 51? I thought you were 34. Mm -hmm. It's examples like this, conversations like this. And then people ultimately, and this takes a while to happen, people experiencing how different they can feel which they just don't know. They don't know right now. And the same way that, you know, it's unfair to blame the professor or the instructor who doesn't know otherwise, who's trying to do their best to run their school and, and give people a good experience, more conversations and awareness about it will, will begin to change it because it has to. 
But then who's, but then who is accountable? <laughs> you know, because if nobody's accountable, nobody's accountable. Uh, people well, that, like, I, I think that uh, yeah. people that should be accountable are, are people in leadership positions anywhere. So that's not white belts. It should be your responsibility, all of us, to be invested in the well-being of the people that are coming up under us, whether that, it's leading yeah. by example of doing things in the academy or I, I, mean, I agree. owners, right? I agree. I agree 1000% on that. And I, I'm, you know, I'm not trying to blame or don't want to blame all these individuals out there that are just, you know, running their schools and doing their thing. I am suggesting that, that I'm not suggesting anything should ever be policed or regulated because I think the free market regulates, but if there is going to be at least a cultural, like, like norm that is produced that norm should be that every school out there that wants to take the best care of its student that it can should invest its time and its energy into into educating itself to, to its teachers in the in the world of movement in the world also in a get opinion uh, it's my opinion but philosophically as well develop well-rounded people with character to teach who know how to move and understand the and then and then i think they're going to be incredibly successful and then the free market's going to take care of itself the people that you know the, the guys that just are out there half-assing it there's always going to be that guy who always doesn't right doesn't care doesn't want to do it different knows that there's a different option but doesn't care and doesn't want to do it that guy let the free market deal with him and mm -hmm. and if you go in and you get hurt within that space then you know I'm that's bad luck you know what I mean that that let's just be honest it's bad luck but I'm not trying to say that that guy should be taken to court because he's because he's ignorant. And I can't argue his negligence either. I can't say that because he knows that stretching is a thing you can do that he should be, you know, held accountable when somebody's knee blows out because they didn't stretch. I'm just saying that um most of the re regulations of humanity are unspoken. Think about all the things that we don't have as as a on a piece of paper that say like going to a funeral. It's just understood that you wear black and that you dress formally. You don't wear shorts and flip flops and a cut and a tank top. Uh, you know, to a, to a funeral. It's it, there's no rule. That's not said anywhere. It's a cultural norm. And most of the regulations of a culture or society are unspoken and unwritten. They're just things we pass down and everybody kind of just knows that. And, and the same thing for me happens in jujitsu. It's like culturally, it's like it's like in jujitsu, there's plenty of unspoken cultural things. And you know that that exist in jujitsu that we yeah, do. Don't wash your belt. 
right. <laughs> or, or wash your gi. Yeah, yeah, wash your. Honestly, but, you know, but, don't care. But here's the thing. You know, can you police that? I mean, you can no. sort of. But let's be honest. You, you. If a person walks in, they're like, "Well, I did wash my gi." You know how much? You know, a, a teacher can be like, "Okay, fuck." Well, here's take the rental. But can you <laughs> force? Can you force that guy to buy another gi? You can't. No, but I'll roll with him. I won't do it. Agree. But I have that, no problem telling people. You know what? That's the free market, isn't it? That's, that's the right. free market regulating yep. his behavior. And that's <laughs> no, what I, I have. Argue. That's my line, man. If someone doesn't, I'll be like, no, I'm not. I'm not rolling with you. I'm not rolling. You're like pisky, man. Yeah. Just and, take yeah. five seconds to wash this thing at home. Just do a solid for everybody else. That's it. Uh, have you had any success integrating your like your principles, your curriculum into a school and then being like, hey, I, this yeah. is great. I didn't know we needed this. And now they're, they're using it. Had a whole school in Miami for four years, five years, uh, brick and mortar location. Uh, That's how I know Gilbert and Wagner and all the guys, because I I was living in Miami. sports. Mm -hmm. So I was training all those guys uh, in mobility. I trained uh, Wagner for his silver medal in ADCC, um, you know, in in 2020, whenever that was, I had him on, and also his daughter Jasmine. Yeah, separately, I mean, but they're, uh, they're great all, I love. Yeah. I mean, they're two of my. You know, he's he's one of my best buds. I love him. But those guys, you know, I mean, to me, Wagner is a complete martial artist too. And so is Cyborg. I mean, you know, if you hear Cyborg talk, he, he's going to go philosophical on you. You know, he is like he's a super philosophical guy. He really is. And he's going to, he's going to take, this is not going to be, we're not just going to talk about choking. We're talking about right. how, <laughs> who you are as a person and yeah. how you show up. And I think that's why fight sports is successful because they, those guys are, I think they are philosophical men, you know, um, are they perfect men? But no, but who the fuck is, you know, who's perfect. And so it's so like, do they use like I'm trying to see like where the disconnect is. Do they use your like warm up to like does this work and then it falls apart or it only works with pro athletes and like how does because I kind of look at your I look at what you're doing with Budokan and I'm like this should be in every academy. Right, I agree. So, well, but then have they like why wouldn't someone like fight sports or Wagner Rocha martial arts adopt it? Is there like, well, they do to, you know, like, you know, these guys, like perfect example, uh, six blades, Shanji, you know, his school yep. in Austin, uh, Raphael school in, um, Oklahoma, you know, they will warm up the guys with mobility. The, the, there are, there are schools that are, that, that will use this material. Um, it's, it's not significant. It, it's not significantly like they're not going to put it on the front of their web page when they're selling jujitsu. That's the challenge is that yeah. people are doing it, but it's not being, it's not given. Yeah. It's not given some type of, position front it's not at the front of the store where you walk in you go hey but they're using that? it like they're you walk they're in using class it. and they're doing this stuff yes well that of, i mean yeah. that gives me hope then because these are these are top level 
Oh yeah. Legends, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, Shanji's here right now. I mean, he's here literally right now. He's, um, nice. uh, uh, we're having a, we're having what's called champ camp. We have it every year where we do a week of deep dive into mobility and jujitsu. And he and I, thanks for the him. invite, man. I'm sitting here in Encinitas, California. I didn't even know champ it, camp was it, going on. It's a real thing. It happens every <laughs> summer. And we have, uh, yeah, we have 36 students on campus right now um, that we're, that we're, uh, you know, I'm in the dojo. This is where I'm at right now. Uh, that's why I was late, but I, I wasn't late, thought I was late because we were finishing up a sparring session. Um, you know, and here what we do is we bring people in, we teach them the a combination of the mobility work and the jujitsu and how they cross over and intersect with each other. Well, we will, I will definitely be able to, um, I'll make sure to put in the links, links to your website, where people can find you, how they can find the material, how they can find, uh, signups for courses, opportunities, things like that. Because I, yeah. like I've said many times in this, I think that this stuff is super important and it's part of jujitsu that as it continues to grow, it's going to have to change. And it's principles like these that are going to be really valuable for people. And it's going to present them an opportunity to learn more about themselves just from how their body moves, where they are in space. And that's inevitably valuable for an art form like this. Yeah. To wrap, to wrap up, you know, the, the, the takeaway here, I hope for people is that you need mobility patterns, movement patterns that involve stretching and, 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 and sort of calming the nervous system down uh, especially for something that's constantly ramping it up. hundred percent. Like jujitsu. Agree. Yeah. And you need this stuff for longevity so that you as a martial artist can experience the joy of this art that you, that you, you know, put so much time into only to have to stop doing at some stage because you're just too broken yeah. and it doesn't feel good anymore. So, you need it so that you can be like me at 51 and still be growing, thriving, g literally getting better and, yeah. and, and fighting, you know, 24 year olds with, you know, and giving them everything any other 24 year old gives them athletically and intellectually, you know, from the art. Um, but if you, you, you know, you can't give, you can't show up in that manner if you don't believe in recovery, if you don't believe yes. in restoration of the machine that has to produce all this output. So figure it out one way or another, but it's just like nutrition. We could talk about the same thing. You can do all this. You can do, you can do Budokan mobility, jujitsu, and eat garbage and you're still going to have a problem. Still going to be or not sick. sleep or not hydrate, sleep, laundry list of things or not strength train because you can't. By the way, you can't not strength train. You Fact. right, right. You have to. <laughs> oh yeah, train. yeah, exactly. You have to do mobility work, which is some combination of flexibility, mobility, you know, blah blah blah. You have to do your combat work, and you have to do your strength training, and, and obviously, without your strength training. You don't have the horsepower, you know, and 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 the the and the support for all your you know your joints and all the stuff. You know what I mean? And the, I, I, you know, because this is what you do. But 
I tell, I would tell a person the same exact thing. I'd be like, bro, you don't strength train. Oh, forget about it. Yeah. You're not, no, you're, you're not going to last. I know it's, and I'm not even, that's not even my field of stuff. It's not even what I do, but I know, and this is what I'm well, talking and, about. And yeah. And I, I've developed an affinity and appreciation for movement and recovery and my nightly stretch routine and morning meditation routine and all these things that are like, I call them routines, but they're not, they're ways of living. And that's how yeah. I live. And I that's live that way because the dough, I want to be moving when I'm 50. I know yeah. people in their fifties that don't leave their house. Not yeah. because they don't want to, because they barely can. That's I know people that are fit. not. I know them that a, are dead. Option. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. And, you know, this life is unpredictable, oh, and it yeah. can be taken at any moment. But provided I'm going to have as many moments as I'd love to have, I'm going to do everything in my power to maximize those positive experiences through movement, through regeneration, through longevity, and thinking about this kind of stuff. And that's why. You know, conversations like these really do mean a lot. And I really appreciate your willingness to have a conversation. You know, so many times, uh, not on this show, but you'll hear people enter into something with varying points of view and it just shoots it in the foot. And to be able to go back and forth and mm -hmm. think through things, I, I, I can't overstress the value of that. I just think for people in general. And it really means a lot, Cameron, that you took the time and the willingness to be here, brother. Hey, man, I appreciate that. And, 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 you know, going back metaphorically, philosophically, that's jujitsu, right? I mean, if you can't get on the mat and, and, and roll a little bit with somebody, I mean, let's be honest, you're trying to choke me. I'm trying to choke you, but, <laughs> but that's what a debate is. I'm trying to win. You're trying to win, but not in a way that's not in a way that has this attachment to it. I, I'm just trying to. You know, maybe winning for me is just making a good point. It's yeah. not about it's not about converting you. That's not the win for me. The win isn't converting you to my position. It's just getting you to see it and go, all right, fair enough. I can see that side of things because that's a win. It's my, really my win. I always think of in these. My win is to listen. And it's hard for me to do that in those situations because I just start to think of everything that I want to say. So if I ever feel like I get through a conversation and I listen, I'm really grateful. <laughs> Honestly. Hey, yeah. 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 It's a win. It, you know, yeah, I always feel it's a win to listen as well. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's like if I can just if you can just sit, try if you can just try something on sincerely and authentically try something on that's not yours for just mm -hmm. a moment. That's a win for both parties. And what I'm looking for is always a win-win. Uh, you know, because in jujitsu, I'm looking for a win-win too. I don't want to, I want to roll with my friend. I want, I want us to walk away and hug and go, man, that was fun. Well, and come back. I think that that's another right. thing is like injured, injured training partner means no more training. So right. we got to keep each other healthy. That's it. That's well, the Cameron, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Thank you so much for oh, being here. Uh, we will have to do this again in the future. Sounds great, my friend. I enjoyed it and uh, look forward to the next time. Yes, sir.